Hey guys, listen up. What's up, dude? Beautiful morning, isn't it? Yeah. What day is it? <laughs> it's Thursday. Well, it certainly seems like Thursday. So nice of you to grace us with your presence. Time for my favorite show. Is it on now? What time is that show again? It's on now. For real? For real. And we're on it now. Okay, here we go. All right, it's showtime. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 The Zone. Welcome in on a Thursday morning. Tonight, the Utah Jazz play the Orlando Magic. Is there any hope? Are they going to compete? Are they going to, I don't know, for lack of a better word, are they going to try? I'm sure they think they're trying, but when their coach talks about, you know, their outlook coming into a game and it's not good enough and, you know, there's too many turnovers and no personal responsibility for that. Not just the actual turnover, but all the things that lead to the turnover, the, the poor spacing, not being in the right place at the right time. I think a lot of that just comes down to the whole mental outlook. Mentally, they're a beaten team. I mean, they can handle the Spurs, and that doesn't look right now like they can handle much more than that. They have lost six of their last seven games, and they just got blown out. So we'll see. See what kind of pride they have. See if they can bounce back. We've seen them do weird things before. We've seen a lot of that this season. And I think in basketball, both college and pro, probably a lot of it comes back to the three. Unpredictable stuff happens. You can't shoot it one night. They can't shoot it one night. You shoot it at a freakish pace one night. They shoot it at a freakish pace one night. I can't really com- explain how BYU lost to a Kansas State team that had lost seven of the last eight games and then turned around and won at Kansas. I mean, I know Kansas was missing their leading scorer, but they'd won three out of four without their leading scorer. So they're still pretty good. And BYU had also been embarrassed by the last place team. So Kansas could have won it. But BYU shot the three really well. Kansas barely shot it at all. So these things happen. So we'll see what the Jazz come up with on paper. It doesn't look like it should be any good, but... We've been surprised many times. Maybe we'll be surprised tonight. Who knows? Uh, we got a question up on the Facebook page. Different topic. Football. <clears throat> the Jets have given Zach Wilson permission to pursue a trade. Where should he want to go? I mean, there are two ways this works. They find a trade they like. They bring it back to the club. The club is able to execute it. Uh, then the plan, the other, the other opportunity here is uh, they can't find a trade and the club cuts him. Then there's another opportunity where they find a trade they like, but the Jets don't really like it, and they cut him. <laughs> so that would be 2A and 2B, really. It still ends up with Zach being a free agent and going wherever he goes. So whether he goes as a free agent and signs somewhere, whether he gets traded somewhere that he orchestrates, where should he want to go? Because there's several paths that come to the same place that you get where you want to go. Who will want him? Who should he want to be wanted by? Who might look at him and think, man, the Jets. I mean, New York, combine the Jets and Giants together. In the last 10 years, the last 20 years, the last 30 years, how many good quarterbacks have those two developed? Those two clubs. Eli Manning, for sure. Absolutely. Giants won two Super Bowls with him. (coughs) Get beyond that. Yeah, slim pickings. So in 60 seasons of football over 30 years with those two clubs, maybe New York isn't the right place to be. Demanding immediate success, demanding immediate greatness, and not having patience for anyone who doesn't achieve that quickly. 
Maybe Patrick Mahomes could have gone there and flourished. Maybe he needed to be paired with Andy Reid, right? Who knows? So take all these factors into consideration. You're not getting drafted here. Zach Wilson got drafted to the Jets. That's the way it goes. There were plenty of people in Utah who said, oh, no, not the Jets. Because they do have this lousy history developing quarterbacks. And they do look like a dysfunctional organization. And their owner is crazy. Okay, well, pick an owner who isn't crazy. Pick an organization that isn't dysfunctional. I guess you would pick one that, pick one that is functional. Who brings quarterbacks along? Who has good offenses? Who has an offensive mind at head coach or has a former quarterback at head coach, right? We had Steve Young on. And I think he said what a lot of BYU fans were already thinking. There's only 31 options here for when he leaves the Jets. Where should he want to go? And I think a lot of you identify, and a lot of people in the media too, identified exactly what Steve went to. He went right to the Rams. They They do have a recent history of winning. They do have a successful quarterback in Stafford. They do have an, a coach who is an offensive uh, mind and who is uh, respected for his creativity and all that, and they won a Super Bowl. Go there, especially because Stafford is older, and whether it's injury or it's age, uh, I think we can all see a path to playing time there. <clears throat> now, what if the Rams have other plans? Then where? You know, certainly Kansas City and San Francisco have good quarterbacks have head coaches who are known as offensive minds and have organizations that win a lot. They've met in the Super Bowl twice in the last five years and win a lot of games. Now, they also have quarterbacks in their 20s, so there's no clear path to playing at those teams, but you can go there. You can learn a lot, rejuvenate your career. There's always a chance of injury that opens the door for you. You know, maybe that's the next tier. I think a place like Minnesota is interesting. O'Connell's the head coach there. He's a former college quarterback. Uh, They've had a good offense. They have an older quarterback. He's hurt. Now, he's a free agent. Is he going to re-up or not? Um, Are you going to have someone to learn from there? Do you want to compete? That's an interesting question. What's Zach's mindset? Is he willing to be a backup and learn, or does he want to go somewhere and have a chance to compete? I mean, I think there's some situations he really has to avoid. You know, there's a lot of dumping on the Jets around here, but it's not like they're the only team that's struggling. If he goes somewhere like the Raiders, what have they won in the last 20 years? How many good quarterbacks have they had in the last 20 years? Um, you know, they, they basically got a, a, a rookie head coach learning the ropes in the NFL. I, <laughs> that, that'd be a bad idea. That just looks like Jets part two to me. Um, we can run through some of the other options. You know, there's a lot of them, and a lot of them could be intriguing and might work and might not. And a lot of this, as Steve Young said, will be on Zach. So we'll see how that goes. We got to take a break right now. When we come back, we have to talk a little basketball. Tim Lacombe and Greg Rubel coming up. Tim next. Stay with us. JPK, it's 97.5 The Zone. It's time to talk basketball with Tim Lacombe, former BYU assistant. Now you hear him on the Jazz pre-half and post-game shows. Tim brought to you in part by Sphere. And are you a business owner? You have better things to do than job hunt or scramble to find your next great hire. Let Spherian staffing and recruiting do it. Visit Spherian online at spherian.com slash Utah. Tim, good morning. Good morning. Welcome back. Thank you. I imagine, 
I imagine the uh, Cougar coaches and the Jazz coaches are waking up with a very different uh, feeling this morning. And you've probably woken up with that feeling in the uh, pit of your stomach after a horrific loss. And you've wo- and you have awakened just coming off the glorious high of a big, big road win. The roller coaster that is coaching. Oh yeah, roller coaster that's coaching. Um, you know you, <laughs> the, the the euphoria that sort of deal that happens from time to time. And man, you soak that in. I I would imagine there was a throng of people at the airport last night in Provo. Um, I am a little tired. Yeah. yeah. Did you fly down there? I drove down there. I wanted to welcome him oh, back. Okay. Yeah, I just wonder if it, your your arms are tired or you're just fatigued. Ayo. No, no, I I just put in my uh, got my Rambler on and in my car and I drove down there. I love it. I yeah. So it was yeah, big win there. You know, I don't know if the NBA if a, a a bad loss if you even feel it anymore. There's so many games, but um, it was definitely the tale of two. <laughs> Two two nights there. Um, I was doing high school games, so it was kind of funny just to sit back and watch the scores. And man, to win the first time you you go into the fog was pretty cool. Yeah, their three free throw defense uh, for the Cougars was just absolutely awesome. Kansas nineteen of thirty one, uh, and and they played without their best scorer. I get that, but to me, that's just inexcusable do you do you think and how much do you think that you know that's a mental thing thinking that when you go into the arena as you're walking in you're Kansas you're at home you don't lose there you're playing a team that you know decent team for sure but it's really struggled on the road here of late the last couple of Saturdays beating teams that they should on paper be better than and getting beat double digits in both games so I'm wondering if Kansas just was a little bit off mentally and didn't bring the kind of intensity and focus that they needed because as they look at the opposition thinking maybe we got this? Um, Probably a little bit of everything, I would imagine. I mean, not to have, you know, McCullers, they have not been as good without him. Um, No doubt. They, but at the same time, like you said, it was, it was the confines of a very friendly place to them. Um, From my you know, everything I heard, the officials tried to help them. Um, and, you know, they just went at the line 1931, and, and you're going you're gonna to pay the price and you miss that many free throws at home. Uh, I think part of it, too, is and I think BYU really put pressure on them. They were in the game the whole time. Um, you know, it's awesome when you're in that arena. I, I think back to when we beat Gonzaga that year. At third place, they were undefeated. They were number one in the country. And, you know, we went in there. We actually got down really bad early. But uh, you get a game close, particularly in the second half, in a place like that where where teams don't lose. And, man, things get tight. You can actually feel it, you know. And I would imagine BYU kind of felt that last night. Three-game win streaks are really hard to come by in the Big 12. As much as we can say, hey, they were missing their big dog, and they were, when they had them earlier, they didn't win three in a row in conference either, and that's just kind of the nature of the Big 12. And I wonder emotionally, Kansas playing Oklahoma and Texas for the last time before they take off, 
those aren't the best teams in the league. Houston and Iowa State are, but I bet it still got played up and there was a lot of emotion around those games and just beat those teams. So in a way, maybe it's set up for BYU too. Yeah, hey, regardless, you, or should I say in tribute, irregardlessly. Nice. Irregardless. I like irregardlessly. Uh, Go with that. <laughs> yeah, that's even better. That just adds to the narrative. It does. It does. Irregardlessly, <laughs> I kind of fell into that one. Um <laughs> They won the game. They went on the road at Kansas, um, and it's just a man. It's a it's a big deal. It's a very big deal. Um, you know, kind of solidifies their their tournament chances and and their seed. You know, that's a big win for seeding. So all all the way around, just a glorious win. Probably one of the best wins in the history of that place and there's been a lot of good ones so uh, big time congratulations to coach pope and the team and um excited to watch this team in march i think the big 12 is the best thing that's ever happened to byu basketball what do you think i do too uh, i mean it's been a it's been a, a big you know it's been cyclical obviously the, the fall from and having to leave the mountain west you know, a conference that was a really good basketball conference that, you know, BYU really worked hard to kind of become the king of. Um, and, you know, the WCC was definitely kind of a, it's almost like you're going 75 miles an hour and you hit a concrete barrier. Um, but I think BYU's back in a place where they're unique. Um, they play a unique brand. I think that has been one of the big revelations and something you got to give coach Pope and BYU a ton of credit. They, they went into this league and realized they had to be different and had to play different. And last night they outscored Kansas, what 30 from three. Um, And that's, it's really paid off to be able to shoot that many threes, you know, every night and um, you know, outscore Kansas last night from three big time. Fantastic win, and now you follow it up with TCU, who at eight and seven has the exact same conference record, and at nineteen and nine is only one game worse overall, and has a sixty-eight sixty-seven win over Houston. So, uh, just welcome to the Big Twelve, and uh, and momentum doesn't last very long in this league. Going back to three-game winning streaks and all that. No, I, I really like the way that uh, you know it, it, it's a test every night. Um, you've got another great coach coming in, Jamie Dixon, who uh, has been doing this a long, long time, and he's got his team playing good. But the Marriott Center is a different place for all these teams, and they'll, they'll kind of see that when they, you know, when they they enter the confines. But I think um, I think that win really, you know, last night it takes a ton of pressure off. I think again, seeding was a big deal. I'm hoping last night kind of punched the ticket to be able to get because I think BYU's had a magical year. They should be able to play close to home. Um, So now it just comes down to winning a couple of these games, and I think they'll take care of TCU. Um, It's been a team, this team has not, they struggled on the road just to get their traction, but this team's been competitive most every night. So particularly at home, get this thing. And now I really do believe you're just playing for seeding. You go into a tournament probably for the first time that like without any doubt you don't have to win a game. Like, I don't think BYU 
there's any pressure. Um, so finish these games off here, beat TCU, play for seeding. When you were coaching, as you said, you've had some big wins. Uh, Gonzaga comes to mind, obviously. Uh, what does the coach do, though, to put it behind you? Because it's all well and good. It's nice. Celebrate wildly. But it's just you know another win in that way because the season is not close to being done. So you got to get past it, and you somehow got to move on uh, to be able to be prepared for the next one. So there's no in terms of, uh, you know, talk about losing teams uh, getting beat twice because they have that hangover, but there's a possibility of a winning team, too, not having that focus. So how do you do that to make sure, great, but you still got other games to go? It really comes down to, you know, the pulse on your team, um, the culture, uh, and then just human nature. I mean, I think it's human nature to, um, you know, have a big win and, and, and enjoy it. Um, but I, I have not seen this team not prepared. I've, I've not seen this team come out and not be ready. So I think that speaks to culture. Um, obviously last night, I'm sure they just loved it. And, you know, by the sounds of it, you know, PK, you being down there, the, the airport must mm-hmm. have been just crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was. I was passing outsider to, I was just randomly hugging. I was like the jazz after their game last night uh, with the uh, Atlanta Hawks. I was just hugging everybody in sight. Yeah, no doubt. So I would imagine uh, all that being said, that folks got these guys primed and ready this is a very, very strong group of guys who you can tell um, they, they just want to win. You know, there's been a couple of years, you know, a group of these guys did not have great years. They finished, you know, as poorly in the WCC as any team ever had at BYU. So to flip that around, the guys existing that were there and just go to work and grind it out, uh, really impressive. Go to work and grind it out. Not something we can say about the Utah Jazz. They have now been blown out by 20 points or more 10 times on the road this year. How many speeches are left when you're a coach? What do you say? What do you do? Who can you move in or out of a lineup or take playing time away from? How do you get the message through when it feels like the team's just looking at the finish line, just trying to get there? And there have been a bunch of these beatings over the course of the year on the road. There have. Um you know, I think that obviously since the deadline, there's going to be um, you know, going to be nights where the team just does not function well. There's a bunch of uh, and I saw last night Keontae really struggled to shoot the ball um, in a lot of minutes. And so, again, I think it's been clear this is a developmental time for some of the young guys. Um, they are in a a period of time where, I mean, last night I was really shocked to see because Atlanta has not been very good. Um, so, yeah, I think it's – the NBA is a different beast. Um, you know, you talk about winning and losing and reacting. Uh, the games, they, they fly at you so quickly um, that, you know, I, I, akin to college, I just think you're talking about different things, wins and losses. Um, but right now – there's no doubt in my mind that this is a period of time where the Jazz are trying to accomplish a couple of different things. You know, winning games, um, important, but development, getting guys reps, getting guys evaluated, 
probably more important right now. And I agree with that, but I got to see a better competition. I mean, they were never in that game. They came out and sucked right from the start. And I, I just think that, that that that's just not good. And I can spin it. I can be positive all you want, but it's all fake. And listeners don't want to hear fake. They want to hear real. Uh, I mean, what can they do to make sure that they're at least competitive? We're not asking for a whole lot here. And right from the start, they were not competitive. You know, I, I don't know for sure. I Maybe you could release a bear in the locker room um, just to create a frenzy. Send me. <laughs> I'm ready to go. I wouldn't mind going um, to Orlando. Put me on a plane. Yeah, are you? Would you be the caged animal? Just release you. You can crawl around like Gollum and make a scene. Yeah, I mean, okay. I, I was around Majerus for a decade. <laughs> you know how to. You know how to. You know how to create a little uh, excitement, don't you? Yeah. Yes, I learned the tricks. I heard them all. <laughs> I mean, and I'm being facetious, but I don't really. You know, I've never coached in that league. It's a different animal, and I'm with you. I did. Unfortunately, I was watching, or fortunately, I was watching. I was watching two really good high school games where both teams sold out, and both teams really wanted to play. Um, and I think sometimes you run into that a little bit in the NBA too. Um, you know, saw some of the veteran shooting numbers. I mean, Clarkson's on a really he's he's really struggling right now. He's two for ten. Um, you know, I saw that. Sexton had more shots than Markinen. You know, I can only look at the box because I didn't get to see the game. But some of those things, you know, just got they've got to figure out. And um, when this team's good, they play a certain way. Um, they play competitive, engaged, and locked in on the defensive side. And then when things slip, you know, they get a little ISO happy. Shots are not as uh, measured. And, you know, guys kind of get out on their own. And again, not seeing the game yet, can't speak to it, but looking at the box would tell me some of those things probably happen. I want to go back to releasing a bear in the locker room. Where did that come from? Who told you that first? That's good. I like that. I like the visual. It'll get the adrenaline. I don't know. I, I, adrenaline I thought we were on I thought we were on radio. I certainly paid homage to the um you know, the Jackie Moon because <laughs> they released the bear in the arena. You guys remember that, right? You saw that movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, I follow you. Okay. Does DJ, did you, DJ I did not. see that movie? I did not, but I, I, fig I figured that I did not see that, no. Okay, you have an assignment. <laughs> Watch Semi-Pro in some of your free time. Okay. I don't know when you're going to crack that with soccer and everything else, but find Semi-Pro. <laughs> they release a bear in the arena. It's hysterical. I had the opportunity the other night to speak with uh, Craig Smith, the University of Utah basketball coach, and he suggested yes. that we go out for lunch so I could tell him some of Jerry's stories. What would you say would be the top two or three that I should tell him? Well, I think the AD one's always good. The what? Say that again? The athletic director one where, you know, it was early on in my tenure, but the AD at Utah would come in from time to time to watch practice. Uh-huh. Sit about 10, 12 rows up. Yeah. And Majerus would be known to stop practice and say, bring it in. And he'd have a little chat with everybody. You remember those, right? I do. All right, you know, we'll bring it in. So this particular time, just serendipity would say that we kind of convened very, very close to about 12 rows up and the AD was with an earshot. And Majerus said, 
you know, you just got to really try hard in life, guys. You know, I mean, because, you know, you try hard, you get what you want. You know, you don't try hard. You know, it's kind of like really good coaches coach. Really bad coaches become ADs. (laughs) (laughs) I had not heard that one. (laughs) Yeah, he runs the show. And he he just likes likes to let people know he did this well, but. That was that's a good one to probably tell Coach Smith. <laughs> okay. Perhaps he could try it out. No, <laughs> after a few more wins, <laughs> you got to win more yeah, to say well, that. Yeah, you, you, you need you, to win you more to say stuff that like that. And use it right. Yeah, timing is everything. Yeah, that was a good one. I don't know if I even told you that one, Deej. I had not heard that one. That's a new one. And we've talked a lot this I year. Know. Haven't we? I know during jazz games, but, uh, a lot of chuckles. You gotta be you gotta be relieved you were doing a high school game last night. You had to look at that score and think, Yeah, if I were gonna be doing a high school game, this was the right one. Well, I look the first thing I do, and you know you can relate to this, this is my first miss of the year. Um but this high school thing has become something I love to do. It's just fun every year to take a little pause and go watch these guys battle. But I looked at the score, first thing I did was look at the score, I was like and and then I looked at the time how long it took to play the game, and that wasn't so bad. So I figured, you know, Jake had the aesthetic issue, but at the same time, the brevity, that always helps. <laughs> All right, we'll leave it right there, Tim. We appreciate it. Uh, enjoy the rest of the high school tournament. Uh, more semifinals tonight and finals on Friday. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Yeah, you guys are the best. See you. There's Tim Lacombe from the Jazz Pre, Half, and Post Game Shows. Greg Rubel, the voice of the Cougars, on the win at Kansas, next. DJ PK, it's time to bring in Greg Rubel, radio voice of BYU. Greg, good morning. DJ, PK, good day. (laughs) (laughs) It is a good day. So I was leaving uh, St. George. I had to be an event down there uh, for work. Like uh, I got out of there at like 7. Well, I left. The event was still going, but I got to leave at like 7.30, 7.45. I'm driving back, and I'm flipping around on the radio, and sure enough, I find Rebel and Durant in the post-game show for a solid hour. That was awesome. You got me halfway across the state pretty much. <laughs> and uh, and you were talking about the greatest wins, and I'm thinking, well, I shouldn't argue with Greg Rebel about the greatest Cougar wins, but I think a lot of us went straight to Kansas and beating undefeated Gonzaga when they were number one right at the end of the regular season. I didn't think there was anything compared to those two. Now that you've had a little time to, you know, calm down, think about it, are those the top two, and what is the order? You know, they're, they're regular season games, and, and the biggest games generally, you know, happen in the postseason when you're either winning a tournament or advancing mm-hmm. in a tournament. Uh, but, you know, it, it BYU doesn't have a lot of those, you know, deep advancement-type situations, and so, you know, wins in the round of 32 against Gonzaga to get to the Sweet 16, those kinds of games, you know, come to mind or, or you know, or, or record-setting games like, you know, Jimmer going for 52. But in terms of just monumental in the moment, even though they were regular season games and didn't win BYU a title or anything, I, I think those two, 
I, I kind of rise to the top. And and although that that Marriott Center experience was unforgettable with uh, with the fans on the floor and and it you know it was like the last big moment before COVID, right? So it had a, an additional kind of poignancy to it. Um, and kind of a bittersweetness, though, too, right? Because that, that team didn't get to go anywhere. And, and this team has still has so much in front of it. And you did it in basically, you know, the home of college basketball, let's say. I mean, the first coach of Kansas basketball was Dr. James Naismith. Right. So, you know, when, when you go into a place, you know, that, that, that has basically the sport, you know, uh, you know, wafting through its rafters, um, it, it's tough to think of anything kind of bigger in the moment than what occurred last night. I mean, Bill Self averages less than one home loss per year. Right? That was his 18th home loss in his 21st season. He has more conference championships, regular season championships as a head coach than he has home losses at, at Allen Fieldhouse for his career. So, so doing what BYU did was, uh, you know, it's not incomparable, very rare, and, and for BYU to do it in its first season in the Big 12, you know, coming off a rough day on the weekend, um, doing it in as energized an environment as I've ever experienced. Mark and I were in the belly of the beast last night, and, and our crowd mic was, was useless. You didn't need the crowd mic because our headset mics picked up more noise than we could handle. Mark, after the game, said, you got any ibuprofen? Because his head was ringing. Uh, after last night, and and it, it, and he he described it, and we talked about it a bit on post game too, DJ. That he felt like he was in a movie at one point. Yeah, I heard him say that. He, lo- he, lo- he looked around, and the throng like it's it's sixteen thousand three hundred, but it's packed into a building that might typically seat ten or eleven thousand people if you've got actual seats. But the building is almost all bleachers, so it is such a throng packed into a really confined space. And it was pulsating. People were jumping, and the screaming is nonstop. And it's just, he, he used the word that was a movie. And it felt like you were in it, like you were in the final scene of Hoosiers almost. And, and you look up into the building, and it's, and it's that old-style bricks and steel, and, and, and the banners are all almost like, like hand-painted. And it's, it's just, yeah, I'll never forget last night, guys. And, <laughs> and so, yeah, for today, you know, it's right up there. I don't know the order, DJ, you wanted the order. But because of where it came and, and how it came and, and just a legendary name and building and origin of the sport, it's tough to top. I thought you guys did a good time, a good job filling time until Coach Pope got out there. It took a while. Uh, because... Well, he had, he had about you know three or four national interviews. Yeah. To try and oh, I saw. Into, so I, and then I turned on. The, I turned on the television and it was. Uh, I saw him doing uh, uh, basketball, whatever it's called, <laughs> on uh, ESPN two. I think it was. Uh, I was real interested in what he had to say with his emphasis on the faith. And he yeah. even went into, you know, a little, got a little Bronco-ish there with the, with the religion, uh, which, you know, is fine. And, I mean, that's who he's working for, no problem there. Uh, but I, I was fascinated with his idea of talking about the faith. And, and you talk to him uh, virtually after every game, and you do a, a coach's thing with him in the week. I'm, I don't uh, – profess to to listen to all of them uh but what did you make of his uh his emphasis on the faith and, and all that stuff that he was getting at because i thought it was interesting well the, there's a broader emphasis on on the faith that comes via the faith-based institution part of what he's talking about and and it's great to embrace and lean into that and describe what makes byu special and unique for a lot of his players but there's also you know, taking off of that, the faith that the players have in each other, 
now and and the faith they have in their potential or abilities and and so it, it's two kinds of faith working with right. this program right now and and so i, I think, I think they, they both mold pretty well together uh, how this is a team now built on belief it's a team built on beliefs plural and a team now built on belief and and that's what i think has emerged from this season uh, to this point and 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 Mark is happy to spread that message too. I mean, BYU is a very unique school, and and he is more than happy to you know spread the message of of why it is a little different in in the world of college athletics. And and I think he's doing a great job of of balancing every part of his of his role that way. Um, and he spoke about it too. He caught this maybe a little bit PK, and he didn't want to get into details about it. But he said there were some things that happened tonight in the room. Um, at least my, my, my perception of it was of a spiritual nature yeah, that, that yeah. resonated in, in a way that he didn't really necessarily want to come out publicly with, but something that might have galvanized his group and maybe they can lean on moving forward. So that was kind of cool to hear about, too. I was wondering if Jimmer appeared or something. Hmm. Rock solid toughness by you, Greg. I was waiting for some kind of reaction. You gave it a hmm, and then you just drew the line. That was rock solid mental toughness from you. Thank you. I appreciate it. I've, I've had to do that, and it's not as easy as some people might think. So, bravo to you. Thank you very much. You know, I, 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 that I, was I've, excellent. I've come to I've, I've come to embrace a a, 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 a mantra over time. Uh, when in doubt leave it out so just, <laughs> there I, it I, is i just kind of sat there yeah, yeah. Good, good job by you i appreciate that thank you yep i want to go back to what you said about the faith in each other because college basketball has always been a little transitory right jc kids were only there two years byu dealt with transfers kids might play for a year and then they're gone for two on a mission and by the time they come back you know two-thirds of the team is different and now with the transfer portal that's just he does. So how do you get that connection, especially when guys are getting hurt and they're in and out of the lineup, key players? You know, when Foose is out, that that's a big loss. He provides something that's hard to replicate on this roster. So how do you build those connections so you can get big wins in tough times on the road? Well, I, I think your question uh, begets another question, which is how does a middle of the pack WCC team one year become a top tier team in the toughest basketball conference in the country the next year. And, and the key is almost everybody came back intact and there wasn't the transitory phase BYU had to go through. They added a very key piece in Ali Khalifa. And I think and coach Pope, I heard him on a different interview last night talking about he's unlocked an additional 30% to BYU's offense that wasn't there before. I mean, how, how big is that, right? To have one guy come in and give you a whole new way to play, right? And, and so they add Ali Khalifa, but that's the only new piece to the puzzle. Now, we have to note that they, they re-included uh, uh, Trevin Nell, who was part of the program for years but didn't play last year due to injury. So Trevin becomes active, but Ali's the only new piece. And BYU did what few teams do, which gets to your original question, DJ, is they got old. Now, you could make the joke about BYU and old, but the teams and coaches say that's what you want to do. You want to be able to get old, and it's so hard to do now, right? It's also possible to retain groups that stay together for two and three and, heaven forbid, four years. But a lot of these guys are those guys on this BYU team. And so BYU did what so few teams can do, which is get old. And that lone factor you know, is as responsible for going middle-of-the-pack WCC to top-tier Big 12 one year later. A lot of the same guys, but they now know so much more. 
uh, about each other, are able to play better with each other. Um, Coach Pope talks about the addition of a new offensive element in Ali Khalifa, uh, adding to the package. That's a huge part of it, too. And, yes, they adopted what Coach Pope calls a a hyperbolic approach to the three-point shot. You know, they were going to be an outlier. And and, and that was the other thing, too, guys. And maybe this also helps answer your question, uh, DJ. You can't just out Big 12 the Big 12. The the, the teams do things – that BYU not, can't necessarily go out and replicate top to bottom, but they can be very different and extremely different in this one way, be more reliant on the three than any other team. And the storyline going into last night, and the reason I thought BYU had a really legitimate shot was, if BYU does what it does well, and Kansas does what it does well, BYU's well can outdistance KU's well because you're exchanging threes for twos. It's not a part of KU's game. They made three threes last night. Well, that's kind of like that's who they are. And BYU made 13 threes, and that's kind of who they are. But who BYU is on that kind of night can win a game, and that's what happened last night. That faith aspect that Coach Pope was bringing up, and he knows what he was getting at probably better than us, but faith in yourself, faith in belief. Dallin Hall, 1 for 10, 0 for 5 from 3 the game before. To have the wherewithal to take that step back three, wow, and to make just to just to even launch it, I thought took some faith, but to make it in that situation, and there was a lot of big shots, Jackson Robinson, Waterman hit a big three, but I thought Hall, given the fact that he was one for ten, zero for five from three, just a prior game, to still have the confidence to take that, I just thought that was incredible. Yeah, over 100 Dickinson, and, and BYU was getting those switches a lot last night and, and, and actually doing a really nice job with them. And that last one, the most notable, um, I, I tweeted out a, a short time ago, um, Dallin's numbers, assist-to-turnover numbers, beyond his scoring, his assist-to-turnover numbers in BYU's wins in the Big 12, and, and they're remarkable. I mean, he, he is so good. If he's that good, BYU's likely winning the game, and that's kind of how it's been. You bring up the, the K-State loss, and – and it's also notable, PK, that, that after each of BYU's last four Big 12 losses, they've won the very next game. And, and the Big 12 is not a really easy bounce-back league. Uh, in BYU's previous league, if you have a tough loss, there's probably a, 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 an easier W coming around the corner. Well, you don't necessarily look at your BYU, your, your Big 12 schedule that way. And so, you know, to bounce back time and again, uh, and this time to do it on the road, the previous bounce-backs had happened at home. But to go from K-State to Kansas and, and still get that bounce back win is also uh, pretty remarkable. And, and that's what this team is kind of, you know, showing us to be kind of a hallmark is, is resiliency. Um, you know, they, they don't go on losing streaks. You know, they haven't lost more than two games in a row in Big 12 play. And they're, they're 15 games into this league right now. And, and so you can't keep them down for very long. And uh, that, that's a nice thing to be able to lean on uh, if, if you're a coach of this team. Eddie Money, you can't keep a good man down? Is that where you're going? We'll go there. Sure, why not? Yeah. Sure, but I, you know, you know, I, I embrace the classic rock. You mentioned uh, three-game losing streaks. There haven't been very many three-game winning streaks in this league. The top teams, Houston and Iowa State, have done it. I actually think Baylor has. Kansas hasn't. They're really hard to come by. And I'm wondering now if you go into the whole thing about – you know, the faith in themselves, the faith in each other, and they're building on it and they figure something out at Kansas. Can they put one together now? Can they eliminate the Oklahoma State where it seemed like they just had nothing going and it didn't make any sense 
and they got beat pretty soundly by the team that's uh, you know battling to stay out of last place. So they eliminated those. Can we see a win streak going forward? Acknowledging those yeah. are hard in the Big 12, very hard to do. Yeah, B- BYU was one of, I think, I, four or five teams that had neither won nor lost more than two games in a row um, going into this week. And, and yeah, it'd be nice to go on a little bit of a mini run uh, at the end, but uh, you've got TCU at home, and then you go right to Ames. And, and Iowa State's you know, one of the last two teams now in this conference that hasn't lost a home game. Uh, yet in league with with Houston and Iowa State. In fact, they're they're two of the top winning streak teams in the country right now at home. So, you know, whether or not a run emerges or not, if BYU were to finish, you know, at 500 in their first year in in the Big 12 uh, or a game above 500, you know, that that's certainly good enough uh, to give yourself a favored seat in the NCAA tournament. I think BYU's almost, it's not mathematical yet, but but they're pretty much set at, at avoiding that, that first round game in Kansas city on that Tuesday. And I'm sure that everyone thought first year in the big 12, you're going to be you know, probably, you know, in, in that opening day game. And that's not going to be the case. BYU is going to avoid that opening day and get themselves at least a single buy. And they're actually in the running for the double buy. I mean, they're, they're tied for fifth and, and the top four teams get the double buy. That's a pretty big ask because, you know, you, you, you've got Iowa state in Ames next week. Uh, but man, if you just want it at, at Allen Fieldhouse, you know what, what's not reasonable at this point, or, or hopeful at this point. So, I'm just excited for the last week and a half of league to see how this thing shakes out. And if BYU can get itself a single buy, they'll have done a heck of a lot uh, more than people thought they would do uh, in their first year in the Big 12. Going big picture, I contend, and BYU's had a lot of good things happen to it over the years in basketball. That the Presence and membership in the Big 12 is literally the best thing that has happened to BYU basketball. What's your response? Yes. Uh, rising tide lifts all boats. Iron sharpening iron. Uh, choose your cliche uh, or adage. They all seem to apply. Uh, BYU got tougher by playing in a tougher league, just simply put. And, and there's a different kind of pressure in the Big 12 than there was in the WCC. In, in the WCC, the pressure was to avoid the season-crippling loss. And you went into most of your games knowing that that loss would be a bad loss. And that's not the way it is in the Big 12. And that changes a team's perspective and outlook and the way they play. You, you, you don't want to play with, with the fear, right? You want to play with the hope. And, and, and the WCC was primarily a fear-based league. It just was. You had a couple games a couple teams that you'd get a reward from and the rest were all risk. You risk losing and hurting your resume and tumbling out of the postseason. That was the reality in the big 12. You don't play with that fear. You play with the hope and you play with the reward. WCC was mostly risk, little reward and big 12 is mostly reward and little risk is the best way to put it. Um, And and so it, you know, a a bad day is never really that bad a day in the big 12 because the team you lost to, um, you know, let's say it's K-State, well, that's a top 75 net or Ken Palm team anyway. That's still a good basketball team that, that opened the year 4-1 and one in the Big 12. So e- even the losses that hurt never hurt you too much. But if you wander into you know, Firestone Fieldhouse and have a bad night, that can really hurt you. Yeah, but you had a good view, though. Yeah, that was always the saving grace. <laughs> I had, but I had more, more, more bad nights than I care to remember in that place. It was a weird deal. 
Well, six road games in California in the middle of a winter was always a good deal, but the quality competition now is off the charts, and that's fun. Yeah, and what the, the I, travel, the travel's tough. And by the way, we get out of the gym last night, and it's like a mini blizzard here. Was it? It, it, it was Mark. Mark Durant was strolling around in shorts yesterday. It was seventy-five degrees, and we get out of the building, and it's swirling snow. And it was bitter cold. It was the most dramatic cold front I've seen sweep in. And so that and that and that's Big Twelve life for you right there. It, it, it's a whole different deal with the weather. And most of your your destinations, you're flying and then driving somewhere. Yeah. And it's already been a bit of an adventure. And I'm sure there are more to come over, over the years ahead. Well, we appreciate your time. Hey, last thing before we let you go, you did throw this out that you got a tour from the guy who is the radio voice of Kansas basketball, and he showed you stuff most people don't get to see. Now, given the fact that the guy who invented the sport was the first coach at Kansas, when I heard that, I was super intrigued. What what did you get to see? What kind of basketball history stuffed away there? Yeah, shout out to Brian Haney. Brian Haney is the voice to Jayhawks, and he's already become a good friend. And one of the cool things about the Big 12, too, a little inside baseball here, is just how collegial the broadcasters are. Um, you know, there was a big group dinner at the Big 12 Media Days. We're having a dinner, all, all, all the play-by-play guys and, and the color guys at the conference tournament coming up here. It's a really tight group, and they bring you into the club and make you feel at home. And that's been a really rewarding thing, too, about the Big 12 as a side note. But Brian uh, took me up into the Kansas basketball offices. And um, as part of our tour, if you will, he did take us to an area that's publicly accessible, which is the original document that Dr. James, James Naismith wrote it's behind glass. Apparently, it cost $4 million to acquire this document, and it's on display, and it lights up, and you actually hear the voice of Dr. James Naismith, the last recorded, uh, the last recording of his voice, um, talking about the game. You see that history. Then he took me into the offices, and he said, Greg, if, if Allen Fieldhouse is a cathedral, this is our, uh, this is our Sistine Chapel. And he, and he shows me this mural. It's a canvas mural on the wall, and this is back in the basketball offices area, not publicly accessible. There's a, there's a mural. It's on canvas, and it, it, it portrays each of the final four programs in Kansas basketball history, hand-painted, and it gets added on to every time they add a new final four group. And it's this massive mural, all expertly painted, and, and it's, it's like a piece of art. It is a beautiful work of art that basically shows you all of Kansas basketball history over a century. Then you go into the actual offices where Coach Bill Self has his area, and you've got the trophy case. I call it the trophy case. It's a trophy room, and you can only imagine how big this room was and how much hardware there was on display for as many things as Kansas has to show. And so this was all part of the day. And, and then you end it with the game, right? And, and you just, you're just overwhelmed by everything you've seen, heard, experienced. And then to get the result at the end of that, pretty incomparable. We appreciate your time. I learned that, and I learned when in doubt, leave it out. So, you know, this has been a really good segment. Well, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to have been with you. It's always a pleasure. Uh, I know Mark Durant looks forward to the next time he can visit with you. He had some travel plans this morning that uh, made him unavailable. But, uh, you know, I'll be here for you whenever you need me, and uh, always a pleasure, guys. Thanks, Thank Greg. You. There's Greg Rubel. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines right around the corner.